On the agenda this week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll talk to the man that is being quoted everywhere as an Apple expert and prognosticator, none other than Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Security guru Rich Mogul answers the question, can they turn off the Internet? And we'll also hear from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have someone who's become a superstar in the Mac or Apple prognostication community, Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Now, Jim, you know, I remember you, of course, as a Mac World senior editor and all that stuff, and you write for CNET, and you came out with this site with our friend Peter Cohen called The Loop, and suddenly, everywhere I read, they're quoting you as projecting something that Apple might do, and more often than not, you're correct. So how did this happen? I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm just lucky, I guess. Maybe that's it. Gene, over the years, you know this, we all do it. We have our our sources in the industry, and, and we certainly have, you know, a good feeling for what we think will happen and, and how things are going to go down. That's what I've been using for, for years, and, you know, I, I think that's probably why I have a a good reputation in the industry. You know, I try and be honest with the things that I say and let the chips fall where they may. Let's throw a few chips. The iPhone 5, is it going to come out this summer, June, July, or this fall? What's the scoop? Well, I would... The the first rumors were that uh, the iPhone 5 would come out at WWDC. And I said... No, I still don't think it will. Um, and then the rumors were that it was going to come out later in June, and I, I just don't think that that's going to happen either, uh, and have said that. Uh, so I, I think when you look at the iPhone 5 and the best time for that to come out, I would say before the holiday shopping. Okay, the question I would have there is why would it be a quarter late so it would be introduced we assume in september or october possibly with the new ipods well i i mean we can say that it's late but apple has never said when it's going to be announced in the first place so you know we're all assuming that apple's schedule is uh june for wwdc but we can't really say that that's still apple's schedule we don't know you know, there, there's all kinds of stuff going on in Japan because of the tsunami and the hurricane or the uh, uh, the earthquake. Maybe that delayed things. We don't know. But it's if Apple had have come out, you know, in January and said, we are going to release the, the new iPhone in June. They won't. No. And now they come out and say, oh, we're not going to release it until, you know, September. Then that would be a delay. But as it stands now, Apple hasn't even said that they will release an iPhone 5 in 2011. You know, so we we can't really say that they're late with a product that they've never said that they're going to release anyway. We're, well, we're the just- one thing that maybe, to me, makes your prognostication credible is the implication or the statement on a tweet from Phil Schiller and Apple that this month we're supposed to see the white iPhone 4. So why worry about that if you're only two or three months from the end of its product cycle? Yeah, and, you know, the iPhone 4 has been something that that has been delayed since... What, last year they they first announced a a white iPhone 4, right? Um, So... You know, there, there's been manufacturing issues with that, and those have been ongoing. So, who knows if we'll if we'll see it or not? Now, the iPhone 4, 
Yes, that's late. That's a delayed product for sure, because Apple said on, on a number of occasions it's going to be released. The white iPhone 4, yes. Okay, uh, so so that, that, that's a clear delay. Okay, so we know that's been a problem. So I suppose that could be one reason. I guess also if the sales are really good of the existing iPhone 4 and they're just barely keeping up with demand, I guess there's no incentive to rush out another one. I mean, what do you add to it other than changing the operating system? Yeah, I guess you can throw in the faster chip and maybe address the antenna issues that might be remaining, make it more efficient. But, you know, I don't see it as a major, major source of an upgrade or a need for one. Well, you know, I, I don't think enough emphasis can be put on the new chips that Apple has. Uh, the A5, which is in the, the new iPad, is incredibly fast. And you may think, okay, well, what, what do I really need that fast chip for? And a lot of people said that when the iPhone 3GS came out, and Apple basically said, BS is for speed. It's a faster um, system. So... When people got it, they were, you know, a lot of people thought, well, I'm not going to upgrade just for that. But when you got a hold of the 3GS and started using it, you realized how much more you can do. And I think that a, a processor upgrade from the 4 to the 5, the iPhone 4 to the iPhone 5, if they do a processor upgrade there, we'll find the same things that, wow, this is a lot faster. I can do a lot more. Now, Developers, this is why this is important. The processor upgrade is important. Developers are, are pushing the envelope of what we can do on the iPhone and the iPad, for that matter. And the more resources that these apps need, the more that the powerful the phone has to be. Uh, for instance, take the, the new iPad 2. I, uh, I like to create music, so when the iPad 2 comes out and I see all the things that I can do with music on my iPad 2, I get very excited about that. You know, for, for a regular business user, maybe that uh, processor upgrade didn't mean a whole lot, but for me, it certainly did, because uh, now I can do a lot of things that, you know, may start to tax the system of, of a, an original iPad. And I think we're in the same boat with the iPhone. Okay, but you'd think, though, if it's just propping in another chip there, you know, just putting an A5 chip in place of the A4 and making a few other minor enhancements, Apple could whip that together pretty quickly, couldn't they? Well, I, I doubt that that's all that there is. You know, no, I'm not assuming that. that. I'm just saying if yeah. that's all there is. If they intend to do other things, you know, in terms of the case design, going back to a kind of an aluminum form factor, possibly changing the antenna system to some degree, I guess that would require a lot more development. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, you know, when you look at, uh, I think that given the, the problems that they had with the iPhone 4, the perceived problems anyway with uh, the antenna, that they would come out with somewhat of a new design. And that's going to take quite a bit of doing, you know, to, to come up with something that is as tasteful as what Apple wants, but, you know, also functional of what the, uh, the customers want as well. We're speculating here. What leads you to believe that this is going to happen, that the iPhone 5 or whatever it's called will probably not come until this fall? Um, well, I think it'll be released by the fall, um, you know, in that, that shopping season. But, you know, I, I just think that the cards right now for WWDC don't, 
don't fit for an iPhone 5 announcement. They don't. Apple needs to focus on what that show is all about. And, you know, last year they didn't even really focus on much Mac stuff. But this year we have Mac OS X Lion coming out in the summer, and we have iOS 5, which I assume we'll see sometime between now and the fall as well. So Apple needs to get its 5,000 developers together who managed to get a ticket for the conference. Also, do you think then the delay in the iPhone 5, and of course we grant there's no real delay, but the perception is because it's not a year later, is also because Apple now is finishing up Lion. They want to get the work done with Lion, then finish up iOS 5, integrate it properly with a new iPhone product, have it all come out at the same time rather than buy an iPhone 5 and wait three months to get the software update. Oh, sure. You know, Apple has to, to figure out, and they probably already know, iOS 5 will work on, you know, the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 5, or maybe the iPhone 3GS up. Um, and, you know, they need to, to make sure that all of the developers are, are on board with the new APIs that they have so that they can make some of these cool applications that we all like to, to buy. I mean, you know, it's a it's a big churn. Once once the developers buy into some of these new features, like uh, in the iPhone four, we had the gyroscope and you know different things like that that developers could start to use. It takes time for the process. Let's go back to that in a moment. We have Jim Dalrymple from the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Hello again, I'm back. This is John Swenson at Midas Resources. And I want to address a couple of issues that I hear about daily when we're talking about gold and silver. First, is there anything to suggest that sunny skies are just ahead? We continue to print fiat dollars, inflation worsens, there's civil unrest around the world, and the demand for gold and silver has never, ever been higher. Next, if you heard that possessing metals is a complicated process, I assure you that whether we're discussing a direct purchase or an IRA rollover, this is a simple, straightforward transaction. This is all about protecting your assets, and frankly, what are your options? The stock market, real estate, metal certificates? I don't think so. Please call me, 800-686-2237, extension 128. I promise a casual conversation, no pressure, no nonsense. I'm John Swenson at 800-686-2237. 
extension 128, and I sincerely look forward to hearing from you. Here we go. The spring break $99 deal from Life Change Tea. Hit it, boys. If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. But you better hurry because it's going fast. That's right. Two months of super tea and a 45-day supply of fat burners for just 99 bucks. Spring into hell for just 99 bucks. Feel good. Clean your body. Lose weight. It works immediately, so call now. 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Or you can purchase online at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. And remember... If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. But you better hurry because it's going fast. That's getthetea.com. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com Another segment with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com and we have to say he has become possibly one of the best real analysts of what's going on in Apple because he makes projections as to new products and more often than not he gets it right. And he doesn't come up with nonsense, nonsense predictions that nobody cares about and nobody believes. And we're talking about the possibilities of the iPhone 5 or whatever it's going to be called and the possible delivery date. What else do you think Apple might add to the next iPhone? Well, there's talk of, of the uh, near field, field communication. Uh, so, you know, you can purchase things on your iPhone by just being near another machine you know a, a, a store would have a machine you walk by with your iphone swipe it and you know you purchase it and it goes through your your itunes account and you know things that would be very cool i don't know if they'll they'll have that or not there's been a lot of talk about it but in order for something like that to work it has to be available at retailers so that you can use that 
But I think it gives you a good idea of where we're going with smartphones. You know, they're not going to just be for checking email and, you know, maybe getting on the web every now and then. They're going to become integrated into our, our lives and what we do. And that's pretty exciting. We can't live without our smartphones. <laughs> that's right. Well, we'll be able to do things everywhere. I mean, that, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. You can... I mean, we we talked before. We didn't need. We don't need to carry cash anymore. You know, you carry credit card, you carry bank card. You can basically do whatever you want. Well, soon we won't even need to carry those. I'm worried yeah. about security. Well, I think everybody's worried about security, but I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that you know we we don't quite understand how it's going to to work. I mean, there are some you know engineers and geeks out there that that probably do know how it's all going to work and and you know can talk to the security aspects of it but yeah i'm concerned about that too but i'm sure by the time it comes out and we're using it on a regular basis then you know the security issues will be worked out as well we'll have to see how that works now there's an interesting story let's get away from the iphone 5 it'll happen when it happens as they say let's look at something else and if we go back to the loop, we're going to look at some of the stories you've written, and one of which is, speaking of smartphones and, of course, tablets, which we'll get into, there are two or co-CEOs at Research in Motion. Okay. So we assume these two people don't fight with each other, but they seem to be acting awfully weird in the interviews in which they participate. Would you give us the background of who and what they are and what's going on here? Well, RIM, unlike most companies, RIM has two CEOs that, that run the place. And I, I think that the, the pressure of coming out with products to compete with Apple is really starting to get to them uh, because their CEOs in interviews have been whining. Um, there, there really is no more accurate term than whining. Uh, you know, why don't people like us and why don't people give us credit and why don't people... It's, it's just, it's not something you expect from a CEO of a major company. You know, you expect that they would be strong and behind their products and, you know, they, they just seem out of sorts. So I, I think it, it must be the pressure of trying to compete, especially with the, the iPad. I now, mean, these you know, two CEOs, give me the background here. Have they been with Research in Motion for very long? Oh, they're they're founders. Okay, they're the founders. Okay, so the yeah. people who started the company are the ones who still lead it, and they're trying to cope with suddenly all these competitors, and they pioneered a product category. They really did. Oh, they absolutely. Uh, I was a, a BlackBerry user before the iPhone came out. You know, I gave up the BlackBerry for the iPhone, and I'm glad I did now. Um, but, you know, the, it, it's been said of other companies before, this was their market to lose, and they are losing it. Um, you know, it, it was the same with Palm. You know, Palm had the whole PDA market, and it was theirs to lose, and they lost it. You know, now they're trying to make a comeback. Well, RIM is in the same boat. And that's not a bad thing if you're trying to make a comeback. Apple made a comeback. You know, companies do that. It's good when you have somebody like Steve Jobs who can uh, speak very well and, you know, get the attention of the world's press whenever he says something. I mean, Steve can send an email on his iPhone 
and get the attention of the world's press. Sure, so, but if the CEO or co-CEO of Research in Motion does the same thing, people will say, what? Yeah, well, <laughs> That's it. I mean, he, he sounds like a, like a, a bumbling fool when he's talking. I mean, they just don't make any sense. Well, that's the problem here, too. A CEO has to know how to enunciate product strategy and sound coherent, even if he's coached. I mean, even if these people are good at the -the behind-the-scenes work, they're not public speakers. They need someone there to coach them, to teach them how to answer questions with pithy one-liners, and they can't do it. No, they they can't do it at all. Um, The the most recent interview with the BBC... uh, Mike, one of the co-CEOs, uh, stopped the interview because he didn't like the questions that were being asked and thought that the the interviewer was being unfair. Uh, yeah, you know, Steve Jobs can do that, security. too. He'll just walk away. You ask Steve Jobs a question he doesn't want to answer, he's not going to answer it. He might walk away or he'll just move past it. He might move past it. He might walk away. But these, these he's Steve Jobs can get away with that. are not Steve Jobs, you know. Uh, and Steve can can handle the questions. He just couldn't deal with the the answer. So, you know, we stopped the interview. Well, here's more of the problem, too, which is, does Research in Motion have a viable product strategy for the future? And I'm looking at the tablet. So we have the Playbook tablet. Okay, if you want to get email, it has to mate with a regular BlackBerry. So suddenly, it's not just buying a standalone tablet. You've got to buy the tablet plus the BlackBerry. That's stupid. Yeah. Well, I and nobody's I, telling him that. Say, hey, why are you doing that? You think you could sell more blackberries that way? They'll look at you and say, that's stupid. It it really is. It really is. I mean, you, you know, when when you look at at the products that are out in the market now, and the fact that the iPad has you know ninety nine percent of the uh, uh, the market, and you know the blackberry the black. Um, playbook is coming along and as much as as rim likes to say that they've had a strategy for the tablet i don't believe that they have any company that had a strategy for a tablet would not announce one last september announced two more since then and still not ship anything that's not a company with a strategy Well, it's almost what Microsoft does where they demonstrate a product or a concept over at a consumer electronics show. It never happens. Yeah. So, you know, that's the way it works with a lot of these companies. They have no grasp of marketing. And also, if you're going to announce a product well in advance, you have to think of the consequences to your existing products. Of course, there is no existing tablet from Research in Motion, but I'll get into why I'm saying that in a moment. We have Jim Dalrymple from The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, neighbors, meetings are an essential part of any business. You know, making presentations to clients, collaborating with your colleagues. Well, make them as simple as possible to run and organize. Use GoToMeeting by Citrix, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. With GoToMeeting, you can schedule an online meeting in seconds. Attendees can join with just a click from anywhere. Meeting materials are viewed on everyone's screen, making collaboration seamless. 
GoToMeeting is so easy to use for you and everyone joining your meeting. Plus, with GoToMeeting, hold as many meetings as you can for one flat rate. You have phone conferencing and voice over IP are included. You know, my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, a month of unlimited online meetings free. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code PODCAST. That's GoToMeeting.com, promo code PODCAST. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 Most of us eat a blend of processed, man-made, and all-natural food. But the food you eat may not provide all the nutrition your body needs. We now know that liquid vitamin supplements are absorbed faster than pills. That's why you need C-Energy. From AffinityCEnergy.com, sea vegetation is known to be the richest source of organic minerals. And that's what you'll find in all-natural, great-tasting C-Energy. C-Energy contains aloe vera, black cherry, cranberry, and pomegranate juices, plus ginseng, cat's claw, ginger, ginkgo biloba, and over 50 trace minerals needed for healthy metabolism, all from natural organic sea plant sources. Get a 10% discount by using promo code GCN at checkout when you order C-Energy from AffinityCEnergy.com. Call 855-732-3637. That's 855-732-3637. Or go to AffinitySEAEnergy.com today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Jim Dalrymple from the loop at loopinsight.com. This is the guy who's being quoted everywhere as now an analyst of the tech industry. 
He gets it right more often than some of the people who say, I'm an analyst, pay me for my surveys. He's not charging you, and he's giving you all this great advice. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. So now, look at lame announcements. We have Nokia, who has a CEO who used to work for Microsoft. And Microsoft, they team up together, and they're going to put Windows Phone 7 on Nokia phones. End of this year, early next year. You announce this now, so of course you've now gutted all your existing product. Who's going to buy the existing product if you know it's going to be replace with something that in theory is better or maybe not better it it is bizarre and you know i i admit i don't know as much about nokia and microsoft as i do about apple but i've talked to people who do know quite a bit about those two companies and even they can't get their head around fully what's going on there you know i mean the nokia employees were protesting <laughs> it's got to tell you something about the partnership. You know, when, you're, when your partner's companies walk out, it's, it's not good. I don't know. This, this whole industry is, is kind of in a big shakeup right now. They're confused. You have to think about something here, maybe that Microsoft didn't think or didn't think was significant. Okay, so a company like Samsung is paying Microsoft license fees to use Windows Phone 7. In turn, Microsoft is now going to be pumping, what, billions of dollars into Nokia to switch over to Windows Phone 7 on their smartphones. So if I'm paying Microsoft money, I'm going to say, hey, why aren't they giving me any money? Why are they going to my competitor? Why do I want to bother with this? I'll go back to Android or build my own operating system. Yeah, and Android is certainly uh, a big player in the market, too. Um, but, you know, for a company that's supposed to be open with its operating system, um, you know, Google's starting to close that down a little bit these days. So it's not all it was when it first came out, which I think is making some companies, you know, take a second look. What can I tell you? This is totally, totally confusing. What can I say? You know, you have to wonder what these companies are thinking. Now, just to get back to more things about the smartphones, Gartner Group comes out with this survey deciding that by 2015, Google, Android number one, Windows Phone 7 number two, ahead of Apple's iOS. How does that happen when right now the uptake of Windows Phone 7 is pathetic? Well, I think the only thing that I can think of is that they're considering uh, Nokia's pull in that. And, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about Nokia right now, but they still are the number one handset maker in the world. They're still in the lead. So when it comes to smartphones, maybe not. But, you know, if if Windows Phone 7 is on all Nokia devices, smartphone devices uh, next year, then, you know, it's kind of up in the air what will happen. By default, they could, you know, jump up a few positions right away. Well, what can I tell you? We have to see how all this is going to happen and also how Nokia's sales are going to be impacted on the short term because of announcing a decision that far in advance. I mean, that's another problem, too. You want maybe to get a head up on the market. So you do the Microsoft game, which is you announce a product for a year in the future, hoping that existing products from competitors won't sell. People will say, I'll wait for the Microsoft version. But that might have happened back in the PC era of the 90s, 80s, and early 2000s. It doesn't happen now. 
People yeah. aren't going to wait. If they want something, they will buy it now. They're not going to worry about the product you think you might have a year from now. Well, and, you know, if you look at, at what Apple's been able to do with, I mean, a lot of it comes down to the device. A lot of it comes down to the OS. It depends on, on the person. You know, for a long time, I bought um, phones, cell phones, on, based on the device. And some of those were Nokia's. And it was, you know, because of the size. They were nice and small. I don't know if you're, you you must remember those phones, Gene. The, I forget what they were called, but they were little tiny Nokia phones. And I love them because they were so small. But then when it started getting into smartphones, then, you know, I would try, uh, I think it was a Motorola phone at the time, and it had Windows on it. And it was just, you know, I thought I could do more on it, but it was just a terrible, terrible OS. Uh, and then I went to the BlackBerry, I went to Palm, I went to the BlackBerry, and, you know, the uh, the device was okay, but the OS really wasn't. And then comes the iPhone, and you've got a great OS and a great device. Well, that's it. I'm done. I, I, I can stay right here now. Well, it's you know? very interesting here, all the unusual things that Apple is doing to confound the industry. And one thing I notice is they're making their apps cheaper and cheaper. Now, think about something here. You get Logic Studio for, what, just a few hundred dollars, getting thousands and thousands of dollars of audio editing and content creation. Now we have Final Cut 10 or Final Cut X, okay? Now, understand Final Cut. Final Cut Pro was originally developed by Randy Ubelos, who worked for Adobe and created Premiere. I know the guy. Really, really nice guy. Goes to Macromedia. I'm giving you the history, ladies and gentlemen. Builds this product. Apple buys the product, takes him over to Apple. Final Cut Pro is the major digital video editing app in the film and TV industries. You know, so they Apple can charge two thousand dollars for it. No problem. They charge two ninety nine for the next edition. Yeah. Yeah, Apple's making it almost impossible for people not to buy it. And that's the thing. That's what they did with with Logic Pro as well. You know, they they just make it almost impossible for you not to purchase that. So cheap, even the hobbyist. The person who couldn't afford the serious professional video and audio editing tool with all these great features, suddenly you can buy them. Suddenly you go to the App Store in, what, a few weeks? You'll be able to download Final Cut 10 for two ninety nine. Now, what happens with the rest of the suite, though? What about the rest of the products? Well, I, I asked Apple that last night, and they said that uh, yesterday was just a, a preview of Final Cut and to stay tuned for the other applications. So we will get some word on that. Uh, it's just a matter of when. Okay, so at work here is, and this is very interesting, this is very, very interesting. What I'm seeing here also is the possibility that Mac OS X Lion is not going to be $129. That's against Apple's trend. If they are making their professional software cheaper, you can see Lion for $29 like Snow Leopard. I wouldn't be surprised at all. 
Yeah, it's it's it really is hard to figure out what they're going to do with that. Uh, you know, they they do have the opportunity because Mac OS ten is is basically the whole platform. You could sell um, Lion for one hundred and twenty nine dollars, like they have in the past, uh, and you know people would buy that. Or you know, knowing Apple, they could come out you know for seventy five bucks or twenty five bucks. You, you just don't know. Um, but since it is the platform that everything else is built on top of, you know, yeah, you can you you could charge a decent price for that, um, and I don't think anybody would would put up too much of a fight. Yeah, but if they came out and said, you know what, we want everybody to have Lion, we want everybody to upgrade to Lion. I'm almost echoing what Steve Jobs might say. You know what? What the price is, we're going to release it thus and so. So possibly July or August. I'm expecting August, two years from the time that Snow Leopard came out. And we charge Snow Leopard $29. You know what? It's $29 for this, too. Because we want everybody to get this upgrade. Yeah. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. In fact, I'll write a column about it, which most of you who read TechNightOwl.com read. Maybe Jim will mention something, too, from the basis of this discussion. Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app You Gotta See This by Boing Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash see this. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy to use 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. 
This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey Sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new Cyclass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated, and at less than two cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y-WaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call today 1-877-99-BERKEY. Earthquakes, hurricanes, nuclear accidents, terror attacks, and all-out social collapse. With the world today more volatile than ever, the future has never looked more uncertain. Survivalist Magazine is the one resource you can't afford to be without. Claim your free trial subscription now at www.survivalist.com and your first issue ships immediately. Get all the details and more at www.survivalist.com or order by phone. Call 1-866-437-6570. Your survival may depend on. If you breathe, eat, or drink, your body's pH balance is at risk. Micronized, activated zeolite is the only product of its kind on the market that can balance pH levels and offset immediate and long-term effects of nuclear fallout. 100% natural, safe, and gentle enough for children, animals, and pregnant women. Activated zeolite, available at RadiationFix.com or call 619-249-2574. RadiationFix.com or call 619-249-2574. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, and we're talking about all things Apple few things about those other companies we know who they are and about all the great stuff that's going on for the future now if we're making predictions about lion do we assume that everything we've read up to now that's on apple's site plus whatever has come forth from developers who've told us about the developer preview that's pretty much it for lion right now right now yeah um you know we haven't learned a a whole lot of of new things but you know, one thing that, that we do know that I find interesting is the the integration that that Apple sees between what you can do on iOS and what you can do on Mac OS ten. So for instance, gestures. Um, especially on a on a laptop. I find myself using gestures a lot more now, um, simply because I was using an eleven inch MacBook Air for quite a while when I was traveling. And, you know, the screen is smaller. So if you want to scroll, which you, you do a lot when you're uh, viewing a web page or, you know, you know as well when you're writing, you're, you've got documents all over your screen and you're scanning up and down and looking for quotes and different things like that. Um, I started using gestures a lot. And, you know, with Lion now, I can see how using those types of gestures would be a lot quicker and even navigating 
So that's a very interesting thing. So you have all of these iOS users, and a lot of them are not Mac users. More of them are becoming Mac users. If they can get on their computer and start to use the same types of swiping motions and up and down that they do with the iPhone and the iPad, it becomes all that more familiar. Now, one of the things that I'm not so sure about is this whole notion of using full screen apps. Um, when I'm on my iPad, I use a full screen app um, and you know everything else is in the background. But when I'm on my computer, I have a lot of stuff going on. And you know, I have a, a BB edit document open when I'm writing and I might have a Word document open and I've got, you know, my web browser, my mail, Twitter, iChat, you know, I've got all these things going on. So you're you're in multitask mode even though you don't know that you, you may be and you're doing so many different things. I can't see using a full screen under those conditions on my laptop or my desktop. So I'm gonna have to see how how that works out for me, but I, I think every person will be different. Certainly, the full screen, yeah, I don't know. I think about those magical scroll bars that go away. I think yeah. that's stuff that doesn't quite make it for me. You know, it, it does make the, the window that you're working in look a lot better. But I'm not so sure about that either because I'm, I'm kind of used to, to just grabbing the scroll bar with my mouse. But then, you know, if you look at the fact that you can now use gestures, maybe you don't need to grab the scroll bar as much. But don't you, know, you have maybe, to learn the gestures? I mean, you know, i got to know whether to use this gesture or that gesture. Well, it's, it's not actually as difficult as what you may. I mean, it's not something that you have to study. And like a lot of things with Apple, you just think, what, what's the easiest way to do this? And that's typically what Apple will do. You know, it's not very difficult. So, you know, if you want to scroll, you just kind of take your, your fingers and swipe down on a, on a trackpad, and the, the web page will scroll. You want to scroll up, then swipe up. Um, you know, things like that are very natural when you're on a trackpad, very natural to do. So, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot to start to learn. I, I know that there's a lot of gestures that I don't use. You know, like uh, you can put your fingers down and turn to rotate things and stuff like that. I don't do that uh, because that's just not how I use my computer. But, you know, gesturing side to side and up and down and, and uh, things like that, normal everyday things that that I would use the mouse for or that I would click on a scroll bar for, you can now do with your, with your fingers. And that is, is very good, I think. Okay, so is it part of the issue here is that you want to be able to let people discover how the feature works? Yeah, I think so. You know, you, you really, and that's why I say it's going to be an individual thing for, for people. I mean, some people are going to love full screen. Other people like me, maybe not so much. You know, the gestures are going to be something that, uh, that people pick up on, or they may just want to continue to work the way that they did. But I know from, from some experience that being able to, to at least use the, uh, the most obvious gestures of scrolling and things in the same way that you would on your iPhone, it, it is a lot easier uh, if you can bring that over to the Mac. Well, we're going to have to see how that works and also about where these things take us. 
where Apple takes us in the future and the future things are going to do. It's going to be fascinating. Do you expect any surprises at WWDC, things that we're not predicting right now because we kind of expect, okay, we'll hear about, obviously we'll hear about Lion. Maybe we'll get a preview of iOS 5 because Apple could do that and not release it immediately. It doesn't matter. It's free anyway. But beyond that, do you expect anything, anything at all to be thoroughly surprising? Well, one thing I've learned over the years of covering Apple is that you you never know what they could come out with. Uh, so, sure, there could be some surprises. I don't expect any hardware, though. So any surprises that we get, I would think, would be software. So, you know, I, I think it's safe to assume that we are going to see iOS 5 and macOS 10 Lion at the show, shown uh, and demoed, but not released. So... Is, that's not going to be a surprise if we see it. You know, perhaps they'll uh, they'll release Final Cut Pro there. You know that they already said it's coming in June. Maybe that will be at WWDC. But so, will there be Pro integrated version or Final Cut Studio that has not just the Final Cut 10 but the rest of the story? Right. Right. Okay. We could see things like that. Now, as for, for big showstoppers, I, I don't think so. I, I don't see anything, you know, on my radar that, that I would say would come at WWDC that, that would be a huge showstopper. Again, we'll have to kind of play it by ear, see what happens. But even if Steve Jobs just gets up there and talks about what we expect him to talk about, that might be sufficient. Well... Uh, and we don't even know if Steve Jobs is going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> if he's healthy, he's going to be there. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree 100%. If he's healthy, he's going to be there. Um, you know, maybe um, uh, the the developer conference is a better place for uh, for Scott Forstall to, to get up and speak anyway. You know, because it is talking to the developers about making software. Yeah, but what happens, Steve Jobs gets up there, makes an introductory speech, says, okay, here's Scott. He's going to show you about all the great features. Now we're going to show you about iOS 5 that's coming up. He can just be the host of the presentation, but not the only participant. He gives a lot of FaceTime, screen time, stage time to all these other people. Yeah, I I would love to see it. I mean, any any time that I can see Steve speak, and and you and I have been at so many events oh, over sure. the years uh, that we've seen Steve speak. But uh, you and I have never met at one, have we? Oh, we must have. I'm sure we did. I don't remember. We've been doing this for a lifetime and a half, Gene. We must have met at one of them. <laughs> I don't remember the faces and the names and the places. You know, uh, you know I I just I think that. Uh, Steve is, people talk about his reality distortion field. He really does have one. Uh, you know, he he is able to to explain things and make you want something, you know, like nobody else I've ever seen. He's just so dynamic and exciting when he's up on stage. Well, the other people are doing pretty good, too. You know, you have good presenters there, and he always comes up with a good show. So we're going to have to see how that works out. Now, of course, the remaining discussion here is about new Apple hardware. We talked about the iPhone 5, and I want to get into some of the new hardware prospects as we continue with our next segment. One of which, of course, is that rumor we heard a while back, of course, before the iPad 2 came out, 
And, you know, they're still trying to get enough units out into the field there. And I guess we'll know in the coming weeks about whether there have been any serious causes of production delays. Because next week, as we do this, Apple will have its quarterly conference with financial analysts. And they'll probably give us an update, not just on the number of units sold, but also about how the constraints in Japan because of the tsunami and the earthquake are impacting all that stuff. Because that's very important. That's also a consideration how well Apple's going to do in the current and the next quarter because of all that. Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Coming up for one more segment, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Return with us now for Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And let us look at other hardware. So, okay, the prediction came before the iPad 2 came out. There would be an iPad 3. The iPad 3 would either be with the retina display or maybe there would be also a miniature version. So all your analysis of this situation, what's the real skinny? <laughs> well, I don't know if I can give you the uh, uh, the real skinny on that or not. I mean, it would make sense uh, in in a lot of ways that uh, that Apple would have, you know, another version of the iPad. But you know, they just released the the iPad too. It, it's clearly selling very well because they, they can't keep it in stock anywhere. Um, so, you know, they can they can do very well in the market as it sits right now, you know, with all of the competitors starting to, to release their products. Apple is still on top. They could, if they wanted to, really shake up the market by coming out with uh, another iPad. Um, maybe an iPad for uh, that's that's more focused on I don't know ebooks or something you know to, for reading to take on uh, the Kindle because as much as I don't like the Kindle personally there are a lot of people that do and then the Nook is is apparently selling well so you know it is a market that Apple could go after and you know offer some some more flexibility to those people that are buying those devices and still have the, the, the iBook store, so purchasing and everything is really easy. 
You so know, we're the, talking are, about one with that special display, that e-ink display? Yeah, they. I mean, they would probably do, you know, more of a retina-type display because that's just Apple's way. But, you know, they could do some some very good things, I think. All right. What about 7-inch? Do you still believe what Steve says, that's a non-starter? Well, I, I did a story a little while ago about the 7-inch and that my sources had, had indicated that Apple had developed the 7-inch along with the 10-inch, the and they just didn't like the size of the 7-inch. And I actually published that story uh, about three weeks before Steve came out and said... Uh, what he did about the seven inch, and that they didn't think that it was uh, a good form factor. Well, you have to think though. Apple probably built ten, twenty different form factor variations in their test labs. They don't just say, "I'm going to build a seven inch version or a ten inch version or a nine point seven. <laughs> they try different form factors to see which one works best in back. They worked on this thing for years. And what was it that Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, said the other day? that Steve Jobs would have, if the technology was available back in 1984, built an iPad then. This is the pinnacle of what he meant with the original Mac. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, when you look at, at the people that Apple has had and currently have, they're some of the smartest people in the industry. I mean, Wozniak building all the stuff and, and Jobs uh, marketing it and, you know, with his vision – and, you know, the executive team at Apple right now, any one of those people uh, could run any of the companies in Silicon Valley. But they stay where they are um, because of Steve and because of the environment there. I mean, it, it must be a horribly stressful place to be, but, you know, it's got to be a, a, a fulfilling place to be, too. I think that explains why sometimes people just leave the company because the stress factor, the pressure to do yes. this sort of thing, well, it's very high. And sometimes people will say, you know what? Let me get a life. Let me get a life yeah. then. It's enough. It's I've had enough of this nonsense. Amazing. Let me have a life for my families. Let me work with a small startup, try something new again. But if I'm working seven days a week, and obviously people don't have to work there. They do it because they want to. They continue to hold their jobs because they're doing a good job at it. But at some point in time, you have to say, you know what? Look at a lot of the executives, the operating system executives like Avi Tavenian, who was, what, the father of Mac OS X? He left. Yeah. When, you when know you something, by the way, Andy Rubin, who is the new VP right now for the mobile apps over at Google, he's the father of the Android OS. In the 1980s, he worked at Apple. Did he? I did not know that. Look at his bio on Wikipedia. There you go. Everybody worked at Apple. Yes. Yes, that's true. Well, you know, there's, uh, you, you, you got to be impressed with what Apple is putting out, especially when you look at what the competition is doing and just trying to keep up with Apple. I mean, people, people say to me, well, of course you like Apple. You know, you write about them and you use their products, so you you just say nice things about Apple. That's not true. I've I've said some terrible things about Apple, and I hold Apple up when they do something wrong. I also hold them up when they do something right. You know, I I don't unnecessarily smack Apple down, but if they do something wrong, I'll be the first one there with the big stick. You know, so and that's what 
our jobs is all about. It's, you know, you, you write whatever the truth is. If, if this is good, then it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. If and the truth we hurts, do. well, the truth hurts. The truth hurts. You know, I, I've I've done it in the past. I do it in reviews that I write, and I do it about Apple and Rim and you know every other company out there. I I write how I see it, and if how I see it is wrong, then it's wrong. But this is how I see it, and you know I I have I think good arguments to back up my point of view. And not everybody is going to agree with the the assessment that I have, but you know I've used a lot of these other products. I've used Palm products and Blackberries and you know, Motorola products, and I've used PCs. I've got two PCs or three PCs in the house. Um, you have so many you can't count them anymore. You, you know, I, I use Apple products because I have a choice. It's not because I have to use them. I don't. I can write about anything I want. But... I use the Apple products, even though I have some of the other products, and uh, you know, I I base my my writing on my own experience. You know, one more thing I'm just going to ask you here, and you think you'll see a new upgrade soon for the MacBook Air, which has been such a huge seller after it developed its new platform, its new well, architecture. Well, the the Air just got updated with the 11 and 13 inch, um, you know, very very tiny machines, and I really I like them. I like them a lot. I I took my Air uh, to uh, the NAM conference in Anaheim in January, and the Air was was perfect for traveling. It's so light, and you know what it's like traveling with a computer you take a big computer with you you just weight it down but you take one of those airs that just weighs a couple of pounds you throw it in your bag and it's like you've had gotten carrying around nothing so i like what they've done and the, the integration you know they've made it into a product that is highly influenced by the ipad in many respects very important yeah definitely Definitely, they they have, and that shows. And it shows, you know, again, going back to the gestures, it shows in things like that. Uh, because, you know, using the, the MacBook Air, you can use the, the mouse to do things the way that you normally do, or you can start to, to use the gestures and, you know, really get into things like that. You know what? We're running out of time for any more gestures, except we'll give this special <laughs> gesture to Jim Dalrymple at The Loop. Jim, tell our listeners more about the things you do and where we can find the stuff you write about. Well, I, I write about um, Apple and, and technology in general, a lot of music stuff. Um, and I'm at loopinsight.com or on Twitter at uh, jdalrymple. And that keeps you going and that keeps you making those big bucks or at least some bucks anyway. <laughs> it certainly keeps me busy. Right. You don't get the big bucks in this business. Only the people who are CEOs of companies get the big bucks. The rest of us just struggle along our merry way. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we want to have a special thank you on the Tech Night Out Live to Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. That's loopinsight.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks a lot, Gene.
You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Hello again, I'm back. This is John Swenson at Midas Resources. And I want to address a couple of issues that I hear about daily when we're talking about gold and silver. First, is there anything to suggest that sunny skies are just ahead? We continue to print fiat dollars, inflation worsens, there's civil unrest around the world, and the demand for gold and silver has never, ever been higher. Next, if you heard that possessing metals is a complicated process, I assure you that whether we're discussing a direct purchase or an IRA rollover, this is a simple, straightforward transaction. This is all about protecting your assets, and frankly, what are your options? The stock market? Real estate? Metal certificates? I don't think so. Please call me, 800-686-2237, extension 128. I promise a casual conversation, no pressure, no nonsense. I'm John Swenson at 800-686-2237 extension 128 and i sincerely look forward to hearing from you we all know that berkey water purification systems are the most trusted name in water filtration as an authorized berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers the berkey guy offers amazing specials for berkey water filtration systems the berkey light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine pathogenic bacteria cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $220. And the Berkey Guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have security mogul and expert, Rich Mogul. That's what we call him, the security mogul. Writes for Tidbits, and of course he has his own site. And he also has a recent article on security for Macworld magazine. We'll get into that. But I want to ask some more general questions first. Some of the things that we've covered before may be worth updating. All right. And I guess this is the outgrowth of the uprising in Egypt that took down the leadership and all that stuff. Is it possible to physically, for a government, to turn off the Internet in a particular country? Can they do it? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely, to a point. Um, it depends on how much control they have over, obviously, the telecom companies. And it depends on the, the capabilities of the population to do things like connect to satellite, which is you know slow and expensive. Uh, although there's faster ones, but they're even more expensive. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, look, governments, when you know, they can send guys with guns to telecommunications companies and shut things down if they have to. You know, is it smart? No. Is it going to destroy parts of their economy? Probably. Even maybe their military capabilities? Uh, sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's within the realm of possibility. Okay, so if we look at this, for example, if, say, the government, the U.S. government, of course, Homeland Security, contacts the major operators of the Internet backbones in this country, and they say, well, we have a serious problem that impacts the entire security of the United States can they just say, okay, shut it down, or do they well, have to get I mean, court We don't orders? have mechanisms for that today. We don't have legal authority. We have due process here in the United States. Um, you know, that's something that's being discussed right now, but there's no kill switch for the Internet in the United States, not by any means of the imagination. You know, it's provided by, you know, many different companies, and, uh, and, and diff- there's different pieces of the infrastructure. And, you know, even in the foreign nations, the w- people were finding ways around some of those barriers using everything from ham radio technology and satellite phones to whatever. No, I mean, it's definitely not, not like, you know, there's one button to press and you can shut the Internet down. And wasn't the Internet designed to be that way, have all this redundancy so no one source, no single source can shut the entire network down? It was, but, you know, the way that it's been designed, I mean, that's kind of a a bit of a misnomer. You know, there are flaws in the Internet where somebody could, you know, hijack things and and they they could basically hack it to take it down. I mean, that's that or take down chunks of it, maybe not everything. Uh, And that's certainly within the realm of possibility as well. So, you know, we talk about the legal mechanisms and everything else. And then are there technical things that could be done that could be, shall we say, quite problematic for people out there? And, And the answer is. Yeah, you know, there, there there could be problems. I mean, I don't like to dwell on it because, you know, I don't know, maybe it's interesting to talk about, you know, when you're, you know, at a cocktail party. But, you know, at this point in time, it's not overly realistic, at least here. It is in some of these other countries. So, I mean, clearly, the, you know, we have seen it shut down in some of those countries and using a variety of techniques. But we're talking about places where the, the government has, you know, real control over the infrastructure and, and over the telecommunications companies. So it wouldn't work here, but they're talking about things what are they talking about in Congress about changing things to allow 
for the sake of emergency to restrict or eliminate internet access? I haven't looked at the details of exactly what they're doing, but what they may be looking at would be the ability to kind of wall off the United States from the rest of the world if we were under some sort of basically critical infrastructure attack. Uh, you know, I don't know how realistic that is, but uh, but certainly that's what they're talking about. So there would be uh, basically, uh, you know, you, you could, all the telecom companies, if they were legally bound and told to, could put in a filter set, you know, to block uh, external connections. And so, you know, things, a lot of things would break. Maybe things within the U.S. would still work to a certain degree. Uh, you know, there's, you know, a bunch of different potential scenarios depending on how they actually did that. But the goal of that is, is it's not the government wants to take over, there's internal revolt. It is if China and a bunch of other countries decided to take down our infrastructure and our private businesses in particular and government systems as well were unable to defend themselves and to be blunt they're not able to defend themselves right now then um they're not necessarily very effectively then then they would have an ability to filter that traffic okay so right now when you hear talk of this it's a bit of fear-mongering isn't it yeah lots of fear-mongering <laughs> makes it now there's a new bill introduced in congress that is supposedly more to guarantee online privacy what's the skinny about that well, again, I haven't looked at all the details, and, and I have kind of a rule of thumb that when there's proposed legislation, uh, I don't pay attention until some, you know, I, I pay a little bit of attention to something initially, but I don't pay a lot of attention until it passes. Sure, I understand uh, that. I realize that a bill can be changed considerably. It can die before it goes anywhere. It could be sit there languishing for two years before anyone figures out what to do. They bring it up. They throw it away, etc. We know that. As it stands... What have you read about it? Uh, nothing, because you caught me off guard with that one. It was on my reading list for later today. All right. So we know there's something. But let's look in general. What kind of privacy do we need on the Internet, especially for online commerce or accessing sites? Is there anything that we really need, a crying need for, that we don't already have? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of need. So right now, anybody can track everything you do. There's really no laws to protect you. That, that was what the, the series of Macworld articles was about. It was actually about privacy, not security. Um, it is very much a very real, very big mess. And uh, I, I, for one, am very concerned. For example, you know, I don't use much Google services. I don't think well, Google's a little evil at this point, but um, it's not even that. It's that I don't want any single organization having that much information about me. They know what you search. They know what's in your emails. They know what's on your calendar. They know your medical records. They know what your physical they location. They know your medical records? Well, if you use their medical records thing, they, they can know your power consumption if you sign up for that feature. These are all the things they can potentially know. But at a minimum, they usually know what you search, what blogs, most of the websites you read because of Google Analytics and because of the, the um, uh, feed burner. Uh, they know uh, your physical location. Google Analytics is not accurate. I've compared Google Analytics to my own server logs on my web server. And I assume my server logs are accurate, okay? Because I've gone through several servers and the traffic reports and the internal traffic reports are consistent. It's never accurate from Google Analytics. It's way, way different. Well, yeah, it will be because it's direct hits versus when the Google Analytics... There, there's a lot of different kinds of connections being made to your server. So, sure. yeah, I mean, that's, that's what explains it. So, you know, it's definitely things that that I would be concerned about. Now, I did pull up the, what they're proposing. Um, it's a commercial privacy bill of rights, uh, you know, um, which would basically give you the ability to demand that uh, particular websites stop tracking and selling your behavior. And that's what they do today. I mean, Google is free, 
to you as a consumer because you're the product and their customers or businesses who want to know what you do. Um, and so this would actually give you, you know, a legal rights that you could basically say, you know, opt me out of all of this stuff uh, or don't sell my information. So that's uh, that, that's kind of what that's doing. And I think very much we do need that. It, uh, you know, would, would reduce the bill because, I mean, you have no idea. I mean, they track everything. Now, is it all necessarily accurate? No. Uh, but you know, certainly they're making their best effort. All of these various companies, not just Google, but a lot of other firms, to track as much of you as possible. They know what you're doing. They know what you're thinking. And it's a different play game for 1984. Big Brother is the private industry that wants to know what you're going to buy, when you're going to buy it, so how they can sell it to you. They have to know that too. Rich Mogul, security guru, joining us this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the tech. Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use EscapeHarassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 79009. That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget... 
CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Do you suffer from adrenal fatigue? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings can deposit into your kidneys and adrenals and cause them to lose up to 60% of their functional capacity? I've had first-hand experience with the damage mercury can do to the body. I've made it a life's work to figure out what went wrong after I got two large mercury fillings put into my teeth. I also know the most effective means by which the body can remove mercury. It has to do in large part with how well your liver functions and how much glutathione your cells produce. The number one superfood that supports optimal levels of glutathione is cold-processed whey protein from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is unheated whey protein from grass-fed cows. It is the most bioactive, undenatured whey protein on the market. People are reporting health improvements from this one product that I've not seen in 20 years of clinical nutritional practice. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We continue with Rich Mogul, security expert. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We're moving to privacy here. And do you look at the vision of Big Brother, and especially, of course, the original Mac commercial in 1984? Do you consider that today, when we look at something like that, when you look at that, that the Internet, like a Google or a company similar to Google that's just tracking everything you're doing, that has become the big brother of the 21st century? I mean, it's worse than big brother. It's not like just having a bunch of cameras on you. I mean, they you know, can track all of your online and potentially a lot of your physical movements because of uh, us carrying phones around now with us. Uh, track that stuff with you know, no oversight and sell it and do whatever else they want with it. So, yeah, you know, look, I, I, I try not to be too much of a privacy freak about things, and, and people get to make their own decisions. But you know, if you combine, if you look at everything from social networks to search services to the ad tracking networks everything else yeah there's uh you know no government at any point in time in history has had as much information on their citizens as google has on you so the villain in the movie enemy of the state is the government i guess nsa of course played by john voight and people like that and that's a movie the jerry bruckheimer movie from what the 1990s so today, the enemy of the state is Google. Well, you know, maybe Google, other other services. Well, Facebook, we're, you know, we're assuming Google because Google is the biggest player. In yeah, remember, industry. it's not necessarily for malicious intent. They're not combining all of this no, we understand that. together. But it per can se. be. It can be. I mean, if you had leadership at Google, and we don't know about the leadership who said, you know what, we can do things with this information. We can sell it to governments. You know, if we're participating in a particular country, the government wants to know what its populace is doing. We'll sell that information to them. Now, we're not saying that Google is doing that, but that can happen. What about this story we talked about before, but maybe for our new listeners, where Google had these vans 
checking out, I guess, for Google Mapping, and they were also monitoring local Wi-Fi networks. What was the story about that? Oh, so there was nothing malicious in that. What they were doing was, it's it's kind of Skyhook Wireless is another company that does that. They drive these around so that they can actually map out the locations of Wi-Fi networks. And then you can use that to figure out physical mappings. Uh, and that's how, like the iPhone before it had three, um, before it had GPS in it, how you could tell what the location was. So they were doing that as well as they were mapping out, um, I believe, I, I'm not sure if those were the same ones that they were using to take pictures with for the uh, for Google Street View. So, uh, and in the process, the way they set it up, they're just capturing passively all the information around them, uh, and uh, and that unfortunately included uh, things that um, you know were uh, potentially private information of people if they hadn't secu- properly secured their network. Which is another lesson, you know. You know, just last week we had Cisco on the show about their new Linksys product line. They have this thing called the Cisco Valet, and it's an application. As you probably know, when you set up your router, it will pick a network name, and a secure password for you. You don't have to figure it out yourself. You don't have to use the password, password, for example, or your son or daughter's or dog's name. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I use one password, randomly sets up my passwords and such. Sure. And, of course, a lot of programs will automatically generate passwords and stuff like that. But the point, of course, being here is that let's look at steps to take to protect yourself. And let's look at the dangers, too. So right now, I have Google search, I have Microsoft being whatever. We'll assume they're all doing the same thing. They want to track you so they could sell ads and to products that they hope you will buy, which is fine. That's the way to make a living. We understand that. Now, I don't want that to happen. What basically should I do to protect myself? How far should I go? Or should I not care at all? You know, everybody has to make decisions for themselves around their privacy. And there's a couple of main areas I suggest you take a look at it. The first is for doing things like search and blog reading and the websites and such you visit. Do you want to let the advertising networks track you? Uh, And if you read the article, there's a lot of specific suggestions of if that's something that you worry about. Um, For me, you know, I'm going to be honest, Gene, half half of what I, why I do do the things that I do is because I talk about these issues. So I believe I should set uh, a good positive example. So it's not just about, you know, my me necessarily actually worrying about it, although I do worry about some of it. So for the the tracking networks, there's things you can do. Uh, actually, new version of Safari is about to come out. Firefox will, I believe, uh, will, will do this as well. That supports do not track features. You can actually opt out of these ad tracking networks. There's a website you can go to. Uh, I use tools like NoScript. Uh, one that I like quite a bit, actually, that's less intrusive is called Ghostery. G-H-O-S-T-E-R-Y. It's a plugin. It's available for Firefox or Safari and I think for other browsers as well. That will go ahead and uh, uh, actually just block any of the phone home capabilities from those ad tracking networks and those tracking bugs. Not all of them, but the ones that it knows about. And it's got a pretty good database of what those are. Then, uh, so that would be my recommendations, you know, my, my quick ones on the on the tracking side. The other area I think people do need to worry about is how much do you reveal yourself through, you know, do you use Foursquare? Do you use, you know, all these other, you know, do you post pictures or say things on Twitter? And that's just more being aware of what you're doing than anything else. Um, and then finally is, uh, and there's a lot more, we, you know, we had articles on shopping and secure Wi-Fi and everything. But the last one I think that's really worth paying attention to is social networks. Uh, the big one in particular, Facebook, because you can be revealing a lot of real, a lot of information you may want to keep private. And it's very hard to protect your information on the social networks, particularly Facebook, because of how they have their privacy policy set and how complex it is to actually dig through and make sure you have your privacy policy settings uh, configured properly. 
um, which is why it's the kind of thing where, you know, we couldn't verbally go through all of it now, but, you know, definitely the kind of thing I, I recommend people read up on and pay attention to. All right. I accept what's there right now when I visit Facebook, for example. The default preferences, they're not as confusing as they used to be, but it's still, you have to spend time going through it. So I accept the default settings. What am I in danger of? Just getting some more ads emailed to me or on the site? What's the danger of having So there's a couple of different risks. One is is if you're, you know, posting private things. Remember, privacy is a very touchy thing. It's not a danger that, you know, somebody's going to attack your home and jump you per se. It's more about, you know, do you want people knowing certain things about you? With the default privacy settings on Facebook, people know a lot about you. They can know everything from your religion to you might be revealing your, your wall items publicly. Um, certainly your friends have the ability, like when they sign up for new applications, um, for new games and such, that um, that information – uh, they they basically uh, can share your information, including your wall post, uh, as part of that, unless you block your friends from being able to share your information. That's one of the ones a lot of people don't know about. Uh, so, you know, really it, it comes down to, you know, do you consider that private or not? I And is it the sort of thing that could harm you later is usually what I, what I think about. So if we had something like Facebook when I was in college and I was tweeting about drunk rampages and I don't know all the all the crazy things that you Not do in college that your drunk rampage had now become known to everybody on the planet yeah including a potential employer 8 years down the road and and those and that's are the, the big danger right there it's not what? oh and your friends might see it but it is somebody that you know you don't want them to know what a screwy guy you were yeah, I mean, my rule of thumb um, is uh, basically that um, the uh, sorry, uh, if you post something on any of these services or any information, even if it's information collected by Google or whatever else, uh, basically the rule of thumb is is that once that's there, you lose complete control over it, and it will live forever. And so, it, you know, it's not that, oh, you, you know, when I did dumb things and I did dumb things just like everybody else does um, way back when. And we'll ask you about that after we get now, off the air. What? We'll compare notes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, look, I even do, I probably do stupid things now. The question is, is, you know, it's self-limiting now just to the people who witnessed it. Uh, when you get onto some, you know, if you record that, it's recorded for posterity's sake. Believe me, I you know I'm really interested to in see how this is going to affect the political process. Look how much trouble you know the first George Bush had because of shall we say his uh, covering up his dalliances of, of potential you know alcohol well known alcohol abuse potential drug abuse everything else you know crashing the car in the front lawn and yelling at daddy. Um, imagine if he put that on Facebook, got drunk, smashed the car, yelled at daddy. Um, is that going to help him? It, you know, in the political process, and we have. Well, you know what? He might be like everybody else. You know, a lot of people out there have probably crashed the car and started yelling at their father. Except in this particular case, they didn't want to be president of the United States. Before we get into more of this, we have Rich Mogul. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live for one more session with Rich. <laughs> Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, 
A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. This is an urgent message. Urgent if you care about feeding your family. S510 has passed through Congress and will make the sale of heirloom seeds difficult. Prices of non-GMO seeds are skyrocketing and may be hard to afford in the future, if you can even find them. As the economy continues to decline, this will make the heirloom seeds worth their weight in gold and one of the best barter tools available. When food supplies eventually run out, your solution is to grow your own food and barter tool. Now, for a short time, GetSeeds.net offers 100 packets of heirloom non-GMO vegetable seeds for only $59. Pay with two ounces of pure silver or just $59. The best price on the net for high-quality seeds. Our GetSeeds.net seeds are open pollinated vegetable seeds sealed in a Mylar bag for long-term storage. Bulk pricing available. So get seeds while you still can at GetSeeds.net or call toll-free 877-341-4769. That's 877-341-4769. If you suffer from poor sleep, you need MyPillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, MyPillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. MyPillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. MyPillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable. MyPillow is made in the USA, has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an industry-leading 10-year warranty. Order today at MyPillow.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. Mention coupon code GCN and receive 20% off your order. What do you have to lose except poor sleep? MyPillow.com, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own, guaranteed. Nine years, thousands of clients worldwide, amazing results. And here's more proof of the effectiveness of how heart and body extract supports good circulation and healthy arterial flow. My name is Crystal. I'm a 45-year-old and live in Houston, Texas. I was diagnosed with having mitral valve prolapse 10 years ago. My cardiologist said surgery and drugs was the only thing he could offer me. What did Crystal do? I ordered heart and body extract in August 2006. When I first took my first 15 drops, I embraced the formula and could even feel the goodness of the formula starting to work. Clean, clear arteries are happy arteries after using heart and body extract. Learn more at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. HB Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. 
Rich Mogul, security expert. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. I want to segue to something here and ask you about this. Now, I had a problem with a stolen credit card number, okay? Suddenly, I have a PayPal debit card, and I get email notices whenever there's a transaction. Suddenly, somebody's spending nearly $1,400 from a company that sells cameras and other consumer electronics. So I call PayPal, and we initiate a fraud investigation. They immediately reverse the charge, of course. And then I contact, and I send a fax to the people. It turned out that the person who actually did the deed, and I got a copy of the order from the dealer, lived in my community. So the question I have and I'm worrying about, is this somebody to whom I gave my credit card number online to make a purchase? Or in a physical store, somebody looked at the credit card and they recorded the information? Well, it could be both. Uh, One of the biggest sources of crimes is skimming information from small hospitality and retail outlets. And so they could have done that locally. They could have done it remotely. I mean, there's lots of different ways. Uh, One of the highest forms of credit card fraud is, you know, to this day is still uh, basically somebody physically in the store copying down your card numbers or skimming it. A lot of insider involvement. So, yeah, very much it. You know, it's very possible that that's what's been going on. So what do you do? I mean, what can you do locally? I understand you'd be careful about the companies you deal with when you're actually engaging in some kind of e-commerce. You know, you want to get a company that, you know, has some kind of verification. You know that they're real. You have their mailing address. You have their physical address. If it's not a large company like an Amazon or an Apple, you call them up on the phone. You look at the company's history. You see about other products, you know, that they've sold. You don't just deal with anybody. But you're going into a local convenience store. You're in the local 7-Eleven, Circle K, whatever. The clerk, do you look at the clerk sideways and say, are you taking my information? It doesn't matter. Look, Gene, how much money did you lose out of pocket as a result of this? Nothing. I could have lost $1,400. You wouldn't have lost $1,400. Because that's all reported a fraud. Yeah. It's all, as long as you check your credit card bill, you're fine. Credit cards are great that way. Now, so the point is here, you know, when it comes to a local transaction, there's really nothing you can do. It's going to happen and as long as your bank or your financial institution is protecting you. It's not a big deal. Online, yeah, so it's the same thing. There's more to this. So there's a subtlety here. There's two things. One is credit cards are protected because you have guaranteed fraud protections on your credit cards. You can reverse the charges. That is not necessarily going to be true for ATM cards. If you use that it, with a with your ATM card in a PIN transaction, you need to check with your bank. And if not, there's actually fewer protections on those cards versus a signature-based credit card. So it might incite you uh, to keep using your credit card as opposed to using like your ATM card with the PIN code. Uh, and in these days... Now, the seeing- other thing you can do with a credit card, with your ATM card, you can engage the transaction as a credit card. So you're not it, entering your PIN number. It depends on the card. Okay. Yeah. So that all comes down to your bank and your card. Okay. whether or not you can do that. But if it runs through the credit card system as opposed to the debit card, uh, then you get additional protections. Now, sometimes it's a pain in the butt. Uh, when I was out for a security conference recently, we were giving away a bunch of iPads, my company, as, uh, uh, as part of an event there. And so I went to the Apple store. I went to go buy five iPads or four iPads, uh, and that popped up a fraud alert. And interestingly enough, it not only kicked off my corporate card, but it kicked off every one of my MasterCards. And I only had MasterCards. I didn't have any Visa cards. So I literally had all of my credit locked down, all my personal and all my professional because of that, because it was actually picked up by MasterCard's fraud alert system. 
Why? That because was, Apple doesn't want to sell more than two units? No, it had nothing to do with Apple. It's just their fraud alert is I, you know, one of their things in the system is if somebody suddenly, and, and I spent a lot of money in Apple stores, so I have no idea why it triggered, but for whatever reason, it triggered that day. And uh, boy, that was, that was, that was not fun. And then I had to literally call each one of my credit cards by hand again and uh, and get all my credit reestablished. So those are the kind of fraud protections you get. And uh, in my case, they, shall we say, stunk. But uh, in other cases, then, uh, you know, that might actually be good. So you were doing basically something that was perfectly legal, perfectly acceptable. I'll tell you what PayPal does with their debit card, and I guess they do it with their credit card. When you make a few larger transactions or transactions in rapid succession like four or five within a few hours, they will often call you to verify that you really made those transactions. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, again, there's all sorts of different fraud protections, all sorts of different options and different companies and everything else out there. So just understand what you have, what you can get. Um, and, you know, in particular, if you can get something with that extra fraud protection, I, I would certainly recommend it. And, you know, credit cards, I don't care if somebody steals my credit card info. I mean, it stinks. It's a pain in the butt. It's been, you know, it's annoying because it's happened. But uh, certainly I'm not going to lose money like I am through other kinds of fraud. And in a situation like that, it's mostly the inconvenience factor that exactly. you lose the access to that card because it's shut down. You have to wait a week or two to get a new card. So suddenly you have to either rush to the bank or find some other way to engage in your transactions during that week or two, which is what I have to do. That's the deal with the credit card. It happened to me. It happened with my son where somebody bought $500 worth of merchandise on his ATM debit card. And, of course, the bank, a responsible bank, reversed it. All right. Now, the other factor, of course, is is there a way to, as they say online or in the tech universe, harden your Mac to protect it? Well, protect from what? Of course, you can harden your Mac. There's all sorts of security risks out there. We, you know, we've talked about plenty of them on the show. But are you talking specifically around things like credit card fraud or? No, just the- in the day-to-day computing experience. You don't want people to know too much about you. You don't want people to have some way externally of gaining control of your computer. You don't want someone gaining control of your Wi-Fi network. Are there quick and easy steps you should follow to make sure you're living as safely as the state of the art allows without getting completely <laughs> nuts about it? Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, Macs are pretty secure out of the box. There's not a lot to do. Um, I do make sure I, I recommend people turn on that they have to enter their password, but you know, because you don't necessarily if it's in a single user mode. So that's a big one. You know, the next is, uh, you know, the uh, you know, I recommend turning on the firewall, although you might not even need that. I mean, we haven't seen too many uh, attacks where um, that's an issue uh, on the Macs these days. You know, the biggest risk you're going to have is somebody's going to send you something over email or you're going to be stupid and download something um, that's going to compromise your system. And so for those two things, for email, I recommend use email accounts that have good anti-spam and antivirus filtering. That way you don't have to install it on your own Mac. Uh, MobileMe has that, uh, Gmail, all the major services will do that for you, um, and, and plenty of private services. I and know then, with our web servers, we spend a lot of time with virus protection and special anti-spam software to make sure that anybody who gets email from us, you know, it's not going to be infected with anything. And then also, I hate to see that junk folder filled with garbage, so I like to stop it before it gets there. Yeah, and it's much better to have it have manage as, as much on the server as you can before it ever hits your computer. What about so the services that work with your email accounts as a proxy server? They filter out extra spam before it gets to you. Do we even care about that, or is it just choosing the right email system and not dealing with this third party? 
Well, it depends on who you are. I actually use one of those third parties. Okay. I think for businesses, uh, that's something. But for most consumers, if you don't have a business account, you know, those may or may not be available to you. Um, because, uh, you know, depending on the service. So, you know, just if you're getting more spam than you want, then go ahead and use one of those. That's kind of my rule of thumb. I'm trying to I be have a to tell you, for guy. example, that if you get, you know, the $5 a month web hosting account, and I'll name every company out there, it's true. And I think, you know, they're responsible. They try to do better. But you have your website up there and you set up your email, you know, gene at vanitydomain.com, whatever it's called. And their spam filtering is usually basically pathetic. Yeah, but most of the people listening are not setting up their own vanity websites. Most of your listeners probably are, you know, just regular people with a, you know, a work email account or one from their internet service provider. Unless they have a small business. So, yeah, and if they're a small business, then yes, you are going to want to subscribe to one of those additional services. That's my recommendation. That works for me. Have you ever had your Mac or PC compromised ever? Uh, no, I, not that I'm aware of, at least. Uh, even you think you'd be a target because you're a security guy? Yeah, I'm a pretty yeah, I'm a pretty big target. Um, I'm I'm pretty cautious. I'm not gonna I'm not immune. Uh, I don't think I've been compromised, but I don't assume it that I haven't. I know I will be compromised at some point. Uh, I you can't do what I do and and not have that um, as something that can have you know not not worry about that so um and and you know it's just i'm trying to stave off the inevitable to the best of my ability let's just put it that way Uh, i haven't been compromised was never compromised on any of my windows systems and uh and i don't use windows as much today but i use a lot of virtual virtual windows and um, virtual machines and i haven't been compromised on any of those yet the key is, I guess, don't be too paranoid. Take reasonable steps. Use a little common sense about the email. And if you do that, you probably stand a very, very slight chance of having something go wrong. Exactly. Hey, I know, but I'm not going to sell myself as a security expert because I have no clue about <laughs> it. You know, I'm not an expert on anything. I am a professor of ignorance, they tell me. <laughs> Say, Rich Mogul, where do we find more of the things that you write about? So most of my Mac writing is over at Tidbits. T-I-D-B-I-T-S dot com and uh, occasionally over at Macworld. And then for my security stuff, you can find me at Securosis dot com. S-E-C-U-R-O-S-I-S dot com. Rich Mogul, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. 
We're joined by my friend Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. And even though he's a guy who doesn't do all things Apple, I find myself in agreement with many of the things he says. Now, before we get on to the main story this week, which is the new BlackBerry Playbook tablet computer that's been getting reviews, and we'll discuss those reviews, Mm -hmm. let's talk about research in motion. Because of something that happened over at the BBC that we've all read about. So first of all, a little history, Avram, about Research in Motion and about the founders, the co-CEOs, the way it's structured. Uh, So uh, Research in Motion obviously is a company that makes everyone's uh, Blackberries, and uh, they've got two CEOs who share the responsibility for for running the company. Uh, One is Jim Balseal, and the other is Mike Lazaridis. And Mike Lazaridis, I think, more so than Jim Balseal, is usually the one uh, who's out in public, uh, you know, doing interviews, doing presentations. Are these the founders of the company? Uh, they are. They are. In, they did indeed start the company together. So, you know, so obviously they're heavily invested. They're heavily invested in it in its success, and I think they also kind of take what's going on with the company quite personally. Okay, so I guess like Steve Jobs takes what happens with Apple very personally for similar reasons. Okay, now the difference is these guys are not public figures like a Steve Jobs or even a Steve Ballmer. Well, um, I would say that they are, but they're just not as well known. You say my mother wouldn't know who Mike Lazaridis is, but people in the tech industry certainly know who he is, and everybody's very familiar with the product. So if you said CEO of, of uh, RIM did this, I think people would know if they realized that RIM makes blackberries. Okay, so we know the product. Now, we have had reports in the past that sometimes with interviews, these guys don't do as well as they should. There was an incident at the BBC. What happened? Uh, so, Lazaridis uh, was doing an interview uh, with the BBC, and uh, they were asking him about some of the political issues and you know that they've had with foreign governments such as the Indian government that want to um, you know collaborate a little bit more with RIM uh, to potentially get user data because uh, BlackBerry because BlackBerry stores a lot of information so um, you know so the BBC was asking Lazaridis about um, the issues that they're having with the Indian government and several other foreign governments that want to get more access to the data that RIM stores on its servers and encrypts and protects for users. So there are some issues there where these governments, I think, want some access, and there's, uh, you know, there, there's questions about what, what RIM is going to do there. But... Uh, the way the BBC, the BBC interviewer uh, talked about it, he said, well, how are you dealing with these security issues? And I think Lazaridis took it way too personally because he, I could just tell watching the interview that he felt insulted like someone was saying, you know, BlackBerry's insecure, um, and so, which isn't really the issue at, at, at stake. And so uh, Lazaridis uh, said, listen, I've answered that. We're not... Um, you know, we're not insecure. We have no uh, no security issue. And when the BBC guy pressed him, uh, he walked out. Um, and obviously, even before that, with some of the other questions, he seemed very defensive. Uh, and they weren't even asking him about the new BlackBerry Playbook tablet. Uh, they were just asking him about 
uh, you know, RIM's market share and things like that. And as we know, uh, BlackBerry is under siege. They're in a lot. Of, they're in a lot of trouble in the marketplace for a wide variety of reasons. Now, let's go into that before we get into the behavior and about the new product. Okay, so here is the situation. Research in Motion was basically the major player. You talked about a smartphone. It was the BlackBerry. And now it's the iPhone. It's any of dozens of Android OS devices. It seems that the BlackBerry is the third contender, although their sales are still quite high. Yep. Well, a lot of businesses are still attached to them. A lot of businesses still like BlackBerry. They like the security. And then there are people... And then there are just people who, you know, they're kind of attached to their BlackBerry. They like the OS. They're familiar with it. They like the they like the keyboard. They have fans, uh, but Palm had fans too, and people were sad to see the Palm the Palm OS, not the Palm Web OS, but the original uh, Palm OS go. Uh, but it, you know, but it wasn't. They weren't sad enough to keep the company afloat. And BlackBerry, unfortunately. You know, we're all rooting for them because we want, we think they they could and should be a player, but they're doing a lot of things lately that kind of show that they're out of touch. And now I think he's really angry because he's looking at his market share and he's looking at what's going on. And he probably knew that the very day he gave the interview, their new tablet was um, going off embargo, meaning that uh, news publications like ours got to publish our reviews of, of the BlackBerry Playbook uh, that night, and he probably knew that it was going to get all kinds of negative reviews because there were all kinds of problems with it, and it's not the only product of theirs that has had all kinds of problems, So, or if not having problems, it certainly has had, you know, they've had a lot of products that are just outdated or behind the times or worse than the competition. And they seem to be acting as if because they're BlackBerry and they were a pioneer in this industry and businesses like them and they have fans that they don't need they don't need to compete as they don't need to compete as strongly and I think that's a huge mistake. They basically were resting on their laurels and suddenly the market has changed. There are other players, but the market is so huge there's room for several companies to be all profitable without killing another company. Yep. Yeah, that is true. Uh, you know that that is that is true. I mean, I think the thing is, what bothers me about RIM is they seem to be just sort of, and and we've seen the same thing from Nokia. Uh, they seem to be a company that's just sitting back on its heels and expects they, expects their success to just continue. And they, I think they realize that there's something wrong, and that is why he's so, you know in public just became so emotional because I think what's coming out there is not even the question that he was specifically asked was a problem. It's that he feels like he's under siege. I mean, earlier in the interview, he said that they were a target because they're a leader or because they're, you know, politicians and CEOs use their product and that's why they're a target. No, they're a target because they're behind the times. They're a target because the BlackBerry Torch, which is their leading smartphone, has a lower resolution screen and worse hardware specs than and worse hardware specs than the iPhone had two years ago. They they're they're a year or two years or or two and a half years behind the competition, 
And then the and then this week their their tablet hits the news. I mean, and it's really clear that even though they've known about the tablet space since the iPad, or really frankly, any company like BlackBerry should have seen the consumer tablet craze coming even even while the iPad was a rumored product, you know, a year and a half ago and started working on something. But they've known for at least a year that they that they were gonna have major that there was a major new market coming, this big consumer uh, you know, tablet space. And the best they could do is a year later, so they're already way late to market, a year later come out with something that's really half baked and and that kinda of, and that in some ways is a little bit arrogant because they actually expect that people will have to use, will absolutely have to use a BlackBerry to own this product. We're going to go into that because this is fascinating. And earlier in the show, before you got involved, I called this maneuver stupid. Okay? I didn't mince words about it. I called the maneuver stupid. And it's not because I want RIM to fail. Because the more companies building innovative products, we get the benefit because everyone wants to leapfrog one another, we hope. This is all ripe for discussion. We want you to talk about it in our forums, forum.technighthow.com. Once again, that's forum.technighthow.com. Once you get there, you have to register. You give yourself a username and you fill out a couple of things. And in a few moments, you can check out the messages, get in on the action, start your own discussions. Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app You Gotta See This by Boink Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash see this. Hello again, I'm back. This is John Swenson at Midas Resources. And I want to address a couple of issues that I hear about daily when we're talking about gold and silver. First, is there anything to suggest that sunny skies are just ahead? We continue to print fiat dollars, inflation worsens, there's civil unrest around the world, and the demand for gold and silver has never, ever been higher. Next, if you heard that possessing metals is a complicated process, I assure you that whether we're discussing a direct purchase or an IRA rollover, this is a simple, straightforward transaction. This is all about protecting your assets, and frankly, what are your options? The stock market? Real estate? Metal certificates? I don't think so. Please call me, 800-686-2237, extension 128. I promise a casual conversation, no pressure, no nonsense. I'm John Swenson at 800-686-2237, extension 128, and I sincerely look forward to hearing from you. 
It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flu Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, out-of-leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate formula, Oregacillin Physician Strength Capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. Here we go. The spring break $99 deal from Life Change Tea. Hit it, boys. If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. But you better hurry because it's going fast. That's right. Two months of super tea and a 45-day supply of fat burners for just 99 bucks. Spring into hell for just 99 bucks. Feel good. Clean your body. Lose weight. It works immediately, so call now. 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Or you can purchase online at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. And remember... Sunny, if you want it, here it is, come and get it, but you better hurry cause it's going fast. That's getthetea.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We're back with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. And we're focusing now on the problems confronted by Research in Motion, the standard bearer of smartphones. Now they're playing second or third fiddle to just about everybody else. They have to learn how to compete. So do you think, before we get into the specifics about the BlackBerry playbook, do you think they brought that thing out kicking and screaming, knowing it wasn't ready, but they felt they had no choice because of the nature of the competition? Possibly, yes, but they are also way behind. They're still way behind. I think they may actually think that having a product that's doesn't, not quite up to, stop, to snuff is okay just because they're BlackBerry. And that's what I think is really frightening uh, for people who follow this company. I think that maybe the last few days they've sort of seen, okay, well, you know, we're really the last few weeks. Well, we've already, because they had earlier said that it was coming out in March. So they've already missed a few vague deadlines for shipping the product. So I think they have come under some pressure to ship. At the same time, I don't understand why this takes so long. I mean, full disclosure, I'm not a tablet developer. I don't build tablets and all that. But it seems to me like they've had 
over a year to work on to to figure out that they need to do this and work on this, and then they've had over six months since September when they first announced the product to get it right. Yeah, yet, but you know, Apple didn't produce the iPad out of whole cloth. They were working on that thing for a number of years, according to Steve Jobs. As a matter of fact, based on what he said, the iPhone was a fork in the project. You know, it's like someone coming say, look at this. What if it was put into a smartphone factor? So it's not something they developed overnight. So the, the question is here, if you're trying to build something like this, well, first, you can just use industry standard parts. You start with that. You don't do the customization for the first edition. Or maybe it would have made sense for them to get up there and say, you know what? We're not producing the tablet now because we want to build the best product on the market. If we rush it, it will be, as they say, disappointing and doing a bad thing in terms of showing respect to our customers. But they didn't do that. They were kind of forced kicking and screaming, it seems to me. Yeah, I do think they were forced kicking and screaming. But what's weird about it is there's one thing going on here that kind of shows a disconnect a, with reality, and B, I think, between different factions of the company who are more and less in touch with reality. This whole BlackBerry Bridge thing, I'm sorry to say because, listen, guys, I love you, you, you're pioneers, but the BlackBerry Bridge thing is clueless. Explain it's what that means clueless. because this is what I call stupid. Right. So what are some of the couple of the main things you would do on any tablet, particularly one that came from BlackBerry? You would check your email and write emails and you would use the calendar function and you would use the contacts. You would do those kind of basic functions. But guess what? You can't if you just own a BlackBerry playbook. You need to tether it via Bluetooth to a BlackBerry phone. Only when it is tethered to the BlackBerry phone via a function called, uh, BlackBerry, Bri called BlackBerry Bridge can you actually access your email access your contacts or access your calendar. Although, to be fair, you can open up the web browser on the, on the playbook and you can go straight to Gmail if you want. You can go to web-based mail. They, they, they're not going to stop you from doing that. But you can't, there's no email client on it on there. And so, you know, you have to wonder, what the heck is this? Is this a tablet that we want everyone to buy, whether they're a black, current BlackBerry customer or not? Or is it an accessory for BlackBerry owner, for our existing shrinking customer base. Well, you know uh, what? Because the thing is here, too, is that their operating system for the BlackBerry is not the same as for the Playbook. They had to build or use a different operating system. Cor correct. It's a brand-new operating system. So it's not even like, oh, wow, if you really love the BlackBerry operating system, you're going to love the Playbook because the Playbook has its own BlackBerry tablet OS, which, by the way, I should say as a side note, is a really nice user interface. I really like it. I'm hearing about uh, that, yes. I mean, it, you know, so they had some really good ideas here. The screen on the playbook is gorgeous. You know, it's nice and light in the hand. The it operating looks nice. System, it's seven inches, but it looks nice. You know, it, it, what I love about it, actually, what I think is a real innovation that they've got there is it uses the bezel as part of the navigation. So if you swipe up on the bezel, you're going to, like, Get a get like a context menu. If you swipe to the side on, on the menu, you're going to minimize your window and go into the multitasking mode. Like it's it's really it's got some really neat gestures and so really, it's got an active you know, bezel. Yeah, it's got an active bezel. Now I, the I question I would worry about here that is that. that kind of feature. Is it too easy to accidentally push something or touch something? Not really. That okay. I mean, we haven't found that. 
what we did find is performance issues and crashing and Wi-Fi connectivity issues and all kinds of things that make it seem like this is like a beta or alpha product. But the actual, you know, the actual UI and the thinking behind it, I think, is really solid and, and good. So maybe uh, they needed six months. Up. They needed six yeah. months, maybe. But they announced this thing six months ago, and it, although at that time they were only showing it to people under glass and not demonstrating anything, which kind of showed that maybe all they had six months ago was a was a was a mock with no guts inside. Um, but I don't I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I honestly don't know about the logistics, so I'm talking somewhat ignorantly about what it takes to, de- to, to develop these things, but I would think that if they set a date of six months and they're trying to hit it, that they needed to, I don't know, hire more developers, get a fridge pack of Diet Coke, have people work weekends, I don't know. Well, you know, with operating systems, right. I think with any software, it's very hard to know in advance how long it's going to take, especially if it's version number one. I mean, once you have version number one and it's reasonably stable and you've got a couple of maintenance releases, the second version, then you can pick and choose what features to add. So maybe you want to have 17 features, but you get closer to the deadline ready to roll it out to the public and you say, you know what, only 14 work, let's put the others aside for the next edition. It doesn't look bad, but the number one version, that's got to make your first impression. If you give a bad first impression or you say, well, we'll fix the problems. Don't worry, folks. Buy it. Six months from now, you'll get a great operating system. Uh Uh-uh. So, I mean, that's a nice way to put it. But the problem is also that they're not really presenting this as a beta product. They're not pricing it as a beta product. Uh, and And the other issue is... You know, their whole story about the email, about the BlackBerry Bridge keeps changing. So they're not, they don't even have their story straight. So at first, the BlackBerry Bridge issue, the, the story about BlackBerry Bridge and why they wanted you to hook up to a BlackBerry, required you to hook up to a BlackBerry to get your email was, this is their story, tell me if you believe it, if you see the logic in it. It's more secure because to have it to leave all the email and calendar information on your BlackBerry, because if you lose the tablet, then people won't then people won't be able to get your precious email. Okay, but why you if you lose your story? BlackBerry? What happens then? Then you lose the you found the hole in the story. So all they're really <laughs> so all I mean, they're they really expect people to believe this. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, Avram, I've got to break for a moment, but this is getting fascinating. I know. This is almost becoming a soap opera with Research in Motion. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power, but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Avram Pilch, Laptop Magazine, LaptopMag.com, where is the online editorial muckety-muck. 
And it says that on his business card. He showed it to me the other day. No, I lied. Okay, we're talking about the problems with research in motion. And they want to sell us on the idea, well, to be able to bridge your playbook tablet, being forced to do so, which is basically pairing or networking with your BlackBerry, is a good thing because you're apt to lose your tablet, whereas I think you're more apt to lose your smartphone, maybe do the reverse. Maybe what we should have is the email on the tablet and not on the BlackBerry. But why expect people to buy two products? That's even more stupid. I, I have this feeling that there is, there is you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've worked in a number of different companies in my life, and there's always, you think that companies or businesses are some kind of a logical machine that are like a, a robot or that some, some company like RIM, every decision they make is heavily vetted and, and goes through some kind of testing and people there are just logical and they only make logical business decisions. No, companies are just like families and, and, and you have disagreements and you have people who you know, are emotionally attached to a particular idea and don't want to let it go. And if those people are in a decision-making position, they can cause a company to make a very, what the rest of us would call a very bad decision. I'll give you one right now with Steve Jobs. I think he was emotionally attached, and I always got that impression, actually watching him speak about it, the Macintosh G4Q. It was overpriced, underpowered. It looked beautiful. But I think he wanted to remake a modern version of the next cube and he didn't until he looked at the marketing information the sales he probably had to be forced kicking and screaming into accepting that product had to go apple doesn't do that anymore but i think steve jobs did that product because of this personal belief or hope and sometimes hopes don't work in the marketplace yeah so i think the hope from blackberry is look we've got this tablet it's great our market share in the phones is in phones is slipping uh so if we tie the phone to the tablet, then more people will buy our phone. I think that I think that's what somebody I think that's what someone in the position of power at RIM said. Okay, let's you know our phones are very popular with businesses, but their market share is slipping because businesses are letting people use iPhone now and starting to use Android, and people realize that our phones are are way underpowered in terms of the in comparison to the competition. We're really behind, but hey, this tablet is pretty hot. Tablets are hot. Can we leverage the tablet to sell more phones? And I think the problem is they didn't want to concede. They don't want to concede that, hey, people might actually buy, we might create a new market for people who just want this tablet and own other phones. And also, wouldn't it be like the Apple halo effect? Say they bring out a killer RIM playbook tablet. Killer product. Everything works perfectly People embrace that over other 7-inch tablets. They find it a smaller alternative to the iPad, whatever. It becomes a magical product. Wouldn't that sell more Blackberries? Uh, it might, right? Or maybe it would inspire them to create Blackberries that were more like the tablet if the tablet were good and functional. But they can't but afford to fail right now. We're seeing this everywhere. I'm reading that the sales of the Motorola Zoom are tepid. Now, that's not a nice-looking product, and it doesn't have powerful processors. It does. But it's not quite there. It has some missing features. It has a few OS deficiencies, whatever. The iPad is in. It's the in thing. And you have to come out with something really better or something that matches Apple toe-to-toe -to -toe for less money to gain traction in this marketplace. There's not much time left. 
Right. I th- and that's why I think it's kind of arrogant for somebody to come out and say, you know what, our thing costs the same, or in the case of the original Zoom, our thing costs more. But buy it because buy it because we're BlackBerry, you know, or buy it because we're who, you know, because we're whoever. Like you can't you can't just expect people to buy things just because you are a brand. You have to you have to perform. Well, Apple I mean, does that with the iPad. You buy the iPad because it is the iPad. It doesn't matter who makes it. Right. And imagine if now. To, to put this in an analogous situation with Apple, right? Sure. Imagine if when Apple came out with the iPhone or or the iPad, they said, "Well, you know what? The iPad, the iPad can only be synced to Macintosh computers. We're not coming. We're not going to allow you to sync it to to sync it to a Windows PC because we think everybody should own a Macintosh anyway. They'd lose eighty percent of their sales potential. And that's what Rim. And that's what Rim is doing." With, with this phone thing. Now, what really gets me is, so they had this security excuse, which is the worst excuse I've ever seen, you know, for why, you know, it's, it's, it's on par with, like, air, airlines telling you that, that if you have your Walkman on or your MP3 player on, they're going to crash the plane. Uh, and yet, if this is such a serious security concern that you're more likely to lose your tablet, which is three times as big as your phone, then why is it that they also told us just earlier this week that over the summer they're going to come out with an email client for it? Either it's a security risk or it's not. It's a good thing to be bad. That's the worst kind of corporate spin because nobody's going to believe it. Now, let's look at the review that you did. Now, you got a final shipping version, right? I mean, unless they're going to... I mean, they we did. However, even today... However, even today they um, they put out a uh, you know they're putting out updates. So our version is getting over the air updates. And at least, gotten, unlike Android, you can get over the air updates. That's good. Well, you know this is Wi Fi only, so it's we're not at the mercy of the carrier. And I would say that RIM is very um, is very highly incented to try and issue some bug fixes while they still can. Um, but that said, I mean, we did actually see some improvement from when we first got it like a week ago to like, you know, before we put up the review. Like when we first got it, we were getting out of memory errors on it all the time. And, you know, we literally, if you had too many things open, uh, which it does support multitasking, if you had too many things open, you would actually get an out of memory error. Uh, and you'd get, you'd get them quite frequently. Um, and then after they issued the update, we haven't had that error. But we've had errors with the Wi-Fi, like it, it worked and then it stopped working. It wouldn't connect to any of the like three or four routers that we tried it with, but it would connect to a mobile hotspot. It, it's just, uh, you know, we've had just so many, so many issues with it. I mean, we were filming like our video review of it and it was crashing. I mean, it's just not even stable at this point. Oh, boy. I imagine the customer who has never bought a RIM product walks into whatever stores have it available and they try it and they bring it back a day later saying, I'm not buying RIM anymore. This is it for me. Yeah, I mean this is not a good this is not a good situation for them. It really, really is not a good situation for them. I cannot possibly see this ending well unless they can at least 
get the software, some of these software issues resolved, which maybe they will in the next, I mean, it's not going on sale for a couple of days. Maybe they'll issue some OTA updates that'll fix some of the bugs. Yeah, but, you I know, mean, with software, you can't, especially with a version 1.0, that's not even in a final finished form. There's no way to predict that. I mean, I, I think they could have, the amount of problems that we were having could have, I think that if someone at their office used it, they could have predicted that the, the thing was getting out of memory errors and crashing just from going to a few websites. And I would think, and, therefore, that they have a quality control problem, too. I mean, if anybody, especially a reviewer, they know the reviewers are going to be hypercritical about everything. And if they don't test for the things reviewers are going to complain about, they're not doing their job in building that product, and therefore they would deserve to fail. Just as Apple would. You know, we're not just ragging on rim here. It's any company that puts out a product with such obvious defects, things that anybody's going to notice. A reviewer, of course, a good reviewer like at Laptop Magazine or the other publications we deal with, you know, they're going to be hypersensitive to things that maybe customers won't notice immediately but will over time. And if they find serious bugs, you've got to think RIM knew about it. If not, they have a serious quality control issue. Speaking of issues, you'll find a lot of those issues. Laptop Magazine. And the online editor is Avram Pilch. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Avram's back for one more session. Hey, neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Blistering anti-globalist anthem from the rock band Ravelin. I can froze, have their tools. Slaves built with the 
great songs from the album Under the Sun. Available on iTunes and at Ravelin.com. R-A-V-E-L-Y-N. Ravelin.com. Spring and a new growing season are here. Plan a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, Organica Seed is healthy seed. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafe1.com that's b-i-o-s-a-f-e-o-n-e.com biosafe1.com or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe one the guaranteed bio-friendly money-saving way to clean your septic system The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return. Avram Pilch, Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we're kind of concluding here that RIM got itself in trouble over the playbook. It still has serious problems. So in the end, what classification? How many stars or whatever you award? We gave it two and a half. We gave it two and a half stars, which I think was generous. We consider three stars to be recommended, so we don't recommend it. I actually think it's more like it's further from being recommended than that. But the the, the irony of all of this is that if they got it right, it actually could be a pretty good product. You know, there are some products that we've received where, quite frankly, I would just like to tell the company, just go home. You know, don't even bother. Just go home. Just just stop producing this product or stop producing products in general and, and quit and join somebody else's business because this is a bad idea. This playbook is not a bad idea. It's a perfectly good idea, but it's uh, but it, the execution is, is lacking and that bridge thing is a bad idea and an embarrassing idea because it really just shows that they're that they're out of touch with with the market it's rims bridge to nowhere that's exactly what we uh what our editor-in-chief mark spoonauer wrote about it great insane minds think alike yeah it's it i mean i understand why they i i I can kind of see this happening because i've you know like i said i've worked in corporate america and i can sort of see this sort of how this could happen they they you know someday a book may be written about it where you know lazaridis and basile are sitting in a room somewhere and they they're someone uh, sends sends them an art gives them a newspaper article probably on in the printed paper you know about ipad sales last year and how they were through the roof and they say ah and they call someone into the room, how do we do this? And then 
you know, some, and then in September, of course, they had their developer conference and probably about, you know, a month before the developer conference, I'm making all this up, but it sounds very plausible to me. They had, you know, they have another meeting and said, well, where's our product that we can show at the developer conference? We can't not have a tablet. Okay, well, let's call it the playbook and, you know, can somebody here mock up a model of one and, you know, that we can stick under glass that has a video looping on it, because that's what they did. They didn't actually demonstrate the thing when they announced it. Um, and then and then we've got and then we've got six months to get this right. Right, folks? Okay. You know, um, and so I just feel like this thing was was rushed, but yet at the same time that it was rushed, they've had at least a year or more to, to do it, and they're already late to the marketplace. So I don't know. Maybe they should have rushed better. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what the solution is from a development perspective, but the the results from an end user perspective is, is a disaster. They probably started to too late. It. I almost agree with you here that the concept probably came late in the game because nobody knew when Apple announced the iPad it would become a cultural icon that even a year later they'd have trouble meeting demand. Nobody predicted that. I don't even think Apple was fully prepared. So the thing comes out in the spring of 2010. Everybody is scrambling. That's why you had all these tablets that were using any version of the Android OS that was available, even though they weren't really certified for tablets. But I think that you, I think that you can see some examples of people scrambling and doing it right. Like, let's take Samsung, for example. And they did have some issues. So, you know, they haven't... I know that there's been talk about Galaxy Tab not selling well and, and Galaxy Tab having a return rate and things like that. But Samsung got together and they came up with a good idea and they had a, had a, a really credible response to the iPad within six months. Uh I don't think it was impossible to do well, that. Yeah, but you had a ready-made operating system that had already been tested and proven, and all you did was adapt it slightly. I don't think the hardware is as hard to develop as the software because you have lots of industry-standard components that you can leverage. That is true, but remember that RIM was building this was building this on top of an existing operating system that they bought, QNX. So... They didn't have to exactly develop the whole kernel of the operating system from from scratch. It's it's a Linux operating system. I mean, I, I guess you know there is more of a cur. You know, yes, there was more for them to do than than Samsung had to do to develop the software for the Galaxy Tab. But still, they you know they came up. They've had a while to do it. And frankly, I think that all of these companies. I don't think it's unanticipated that there would be a market for tablets. I mean, the massive success of the iPad, perhaps we couldn't have predicted how high the sales would be. But there were rumors about an Apple tablet for about six months or a year before the iPad, at least. And I kind of think that Apple feeds that, too. Sure, they fed it. So I read those rumors. We reported on them. Did Was was, uh, Mike Lazaridis not reading the news? Like, if if people saw how... If other companies saw how much people were clamoring for an Apple product that didn't exist yet. And knowing that, you know, this kind of product, you know, the idea that there would be touch products out there could, you know, could be a part of kind of the future mobile mix. I I think it's wrong to say that no one could have predicted the iPad. I think you could have predicted that there would be a market for, that there would be a market for tablets. I mean, people have been talking about tablets for, 
for over 10 years now. Sure, and but everything they've tried with tablets has been basically Windows 7 hacked onto something, really. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the issue, but I don't think it, was, it takes a genius to identify that problem. After all, smartphones, we've had smartphones since at least the, the original iPhone coming out that kind of show us the roadmap for the iPad and show us the roadmap for consumer tablets. Apple saw this quite clearly, and I think it was visible to anyone who was willing to kind of take a chance on, on that market. Aha! You had the magic word. Take a chance. You know, companies, a lot of companies are afraid to do anything other than what's tried and true. And so that's why RIM is resting on its laurels. Suddenly they were confronted with the reality that they're behind the curve on these tablets. Rush it to market. Here we go. And this may be part of the problem with the BlackBerry, that they didn't foresee at that time the need to step up their development and move faster because the market is running away from them. You know, they've basically existed in their own bubble for so long. Right, but what I don't get it is, okay, so if you know that this is happening to you as a company, step up. Why is it so hard? I don't know. You know, I guess if I had his job, Lazarus' job, I would have a hard time getting my company to do this too. But, you know, you you see the BlackBerry Torch, for example, is is a classic example of a huge disappointment. Like, there's a pretty decent BlackBerry phone in there, but, you know, this phone comes out and it has half the screen resolution of that Android phones ha- have had for like two years now, or an iPhone has had for like three years now. It's half the screen resolution. So what's going on here? They, why couldn't they just? They don't have to develop a screen from whole cloth. They could go out and buy a WVGA screen on the market, but they don't bother to do so because they don't think it matters. You know, we have. I mean, last year there was no LTE, and yet, yet now we've got a whole raft of LTE phones coming out with Android on them. Why is it that HTC and Motorola and LG and Samsung are able to quickly and quickly innovate and add new features, um, you know, on a, on a fast development cycle where, you know, RIM has had years to know about some of this stuff and they're still not caught up? It may also be the way the companies are structured, you know, with a lot of these consumer electronics companies, as soon as there's a new part available, they are structured, they're oriented towards bringing it to market. So, of course... Even with things like flat panel TVs, you have constant model introductions, even though I can't understand it. Listen, we're just about out of time. I hope we get into some other gear, but the rim and the potential failure or the impending failure of the playbook has been so overwhelming and so unfortunate we had to get into it. Where do we find more of the stuff that Avram Pilch and his crew write about? So in addition to rants about BlackBerry and (laughs) and the future of rim, you can find... uh, phone and laptop and tablet buying advice and tips if you head on over to laptopmag.com. Terrific. And you can find our stuff, technighthowl.com. That's technighthowl.com. On Twitter, we're the same people, technighthowl, technighthowl at Twitter. I also invite you to write us, news at technighthowl.com, news at technighthowl.com. And one more thing, we have that second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. The Paracast at Paracast.com. We get wild people there like former Governor Jesse Ventura this past week. And lots of fascinating stuff about chupacabras coming up this week. And now on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg, a special thank you to Avram Pilch. Thanks, my friend, for coming along on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.